Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. So tell me, how are you, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling like a lover, a lover of prints and textiles and bright colours. And one of my inspirations when I was a teenager and into my early 20s, when in fact I actually first met today's guest, um, because I was in my early 20s, I was working for a PR company and we did PR for Alternative Miss World. And I think it was around 2002, maybe, or 2000, something like that. And it was organized by the wonderful Andrew Logan. And we went to the Fashion and Textile Museum in uh, London, in, in Bermondsey. And we went upstairs and went to, I don't know if it was a party or whether it was like a drinks. I can't quite recall because my memory is really bad. But I remember meeting today's guest and she had the most amazing outfit, the most amazing colours. But beyond that, she had this incredible generosity, spark, like personality and charisma like I'd never experienced before at that age. And she always stuck with me. And ever since we started Talk Art in 2018, I've been dying to speak to her. And I've been to the Fashion Textile Museum to see her incredible retrospective of 50 years of her remarkable work and also the exhibition prior to that which included like a whole habitat kind of section and you know like modern kind of British design and I took my mum and we were like (laughs) huge um, admirers of that exhibition as well so um proper fan Rob proper I am a proper fanboy and um, we've also mentioned her numerous times on the show but um sadly recently her friend and a friend of talk art Dougie Fields has sadly passed away so we thought this would be a wonderful um moment to finally meet our guest but also to pay tribute to a friend of hers and also an iconic artist and someone that will always be remembered in our hearts. So it's also a very touching episode. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Dame Zandra Rhodes. Hi, Zandra. build up. (laughs) (laughs) And behind me, this is the first painting that I bought from Dougie. Wow. In, in 19, about 1967. Amazing. And I didn't have any money and I paid a deposit and then he came to sue me. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, what, what does it depict? Because I can see trees and colourful shapes. It's a lovely landscape of mad trees and a river, a lady at a window, and it always looked, it was just so lovely and it became part of my life, you know. I love it. 
how did you how did you meet Dougie? Because you, you had a shop on the King's Road in the sixties, and it seemed like he was working along in the, on now, the King's Road at the same time. Dougie's one of those amazing people that sort of walked around, and he knows he knew everything, and he was always on top of everything, and and everything, and he um, he was introduced to me by Chilita Secunda. Oh. Um, and uh, well, and then she took me to see his lovely painting, and that's when I bought the painting. And um, and I suppose at that time, I yes, around that time I would have had the Fulham Road clothes shop, right? Which only stayed open a year, but we had uh, Joe Cocker sang at the opening party. Amazing. I know, and it was <laughs> quite an ama amazing. I mean, when I think of the adventures of it, and that all went by so quickly in that year that it was open for. I'm sure, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I've really known Dougie, really, from there on. So that's about 1966 wow. on to the present day. And you became friends when you first met, and then you ended up becoming collaborators later on together. Oh, well, it was really Dougie that invented the term conceptual chic. When I was designing for my shop and designing the punk collection that everyone talks about with the beaded holes and the, and the safety pins and the chains, and I used to talk to Dougie. Well, I talked to Dougie every day. And he, in fact, came up with the word conceptual chic that happened from there. He wow. also came up with the phrase... Less is more, more or less, which I've actually now <laughs> written down on my phone, which I think is an iconic way to look at the world and look at design in general and interiors and everything. I know. He, he was just one of those amazing people that you just think back to the little snippets and the bit about him that's incredible, you know? And I talk to him every day and about anything. You know, it could be a terrible questionnaire that I was supposed to answer or that I was stuck on design and he'd say, well, you always are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just all sorts of different things. So, so wow. he was a kind of confidant, like a... Oh, a, definitely a confidant. But I gather from the amount of people that have been in touch with me, I think he was confidant to a lot of the world, not just me. <laughs> oh, wow. So he's a generous, generous soul. And actually, when we started the podcast, he used to message us on Instagram and he was very like you know, up with the, the tech as well and making videos. Oh, yeah. You look at his website. Yeah. His website is so kind of tech genius. There's yeah. so many amazing moving images on there and all of his, like, uh, well, like you, animation. Did you look at his... It always did a marvellous Christmas video. Yes. He actually his sent Christmas it to us last Christmas. Fabulous. Yes. You know, and, and they were always both sides of Christmas. You know, they'd be Father Christmas and eat, drink, be merry, and then you'd have a tramp. You know, it was like all sides. <laughs> Amazing. Well, let, we're, we're, we're going to come back on to Dougie because I think we should delve in deeper. But let's talk about you, Zandra. And there's something you just said then about how you said to Dougie, I'm struggling with this pattern design. And he would say, you always are. And it reminds me of this story that you said when you were studying at the Royal College of Art that you got really upset because you asked one of your fellow students at one point, can you help me with this? I'm, I'm kind of stuck on this. What do you think I should do? And she turned around to you and said, I don't care. And she that at the time... Correct. She said, I don't care a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And in the 19, 
in the 1960s, that was a word one didn't often use anyway. And I think I just felt flattened to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing story. How did you find your way into the Royal College of Art then? And, and, and what was your upbringing like to get you into this? And, and colour, how did colour come into your life so vibrantly? What age? Gosh. Well, I mean, I... Um... I mean, I had a wonderful textile design tutor, Barbara Brown, who said, if you want to do a textiles, then you need to go to the Royal College of Art. And so she and a guy called, um, let me see, David Green, we were both students together. And she just trained us all and said, you know, like, just if you do what I say, you'll get into the Royal College. So we got into the Royal College. And at that time, everyone was designing wallpapers and furnishing fans and and things. But in my second year, I started to think, oh, I'd like to design prints that go on dresses. Because at the time, people were doing little baby liberty prints and little tiny nothing prints. And then I was doing great big flowers that would look like Union Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> and then later being influenced by like Warhol and doing lipsticks and um, what else did I do? Fireworks, mm -hmm. you know. And then I had to then find people that were willing to think they'd wear them. But I was somehow, some, I was very lucky in that I seemed always to be convinced that it would happen. <laughs> right, right, right. So you I think, just were propelled forward. <laughs> well, I've always said to kids that are starting, if you're convinced, all you've got to keep doing is in the end, if you're convinced enough, you're either going to fall your face or you're going to convince the rest of the world around you right. with luck <laughs> right, right. well there's a mantra you have that you say work as hard as you can and never give up which i think is incredible because you have worked most of your adult life in in the field that you are i've got a passion for and that's that's incredible i feel very lucky I feel yeah. very is it dark i'm going to put another light on it's so yeah, go on <laughs> go for it we've got mary porter's cardboard cutout behind uh zandra she's is that mary porter's or is that you zandra <laughs> it's me well, <laughs> no that's zandra that's not i her. thought there's well mary porter's has copied mary your hair porter's has bright orange hair not, yeah, but she's not copied the cut she's copied the coloring all the lights are on so now... mary porter's does have style though she looks yeah. cool <laughs> although right now i think her hair's gone gray i think she's changed her look <laughs> All right. Oh, my, my, my hair's not going to go grey. I can assure you. Not yours. You. No, yours is vibrant pink. <laughs> we're loving your hair. So, look, when you, were, when you were studying and you mentioned, like, being inspired by Warhol, I heard that you grew up in Kent and you were born in Chatham and I live in Margate. So, Kent is kind of... Margate's this, the place to be now, you know. It, it is. It's having a renaissance and a rebirth of creative thinking. But I was intrigued to find out what Kent was like when you were growing up, you know, as someone that's recently moved here two, three years ago. Um, well, we used to go. We used to go down to um, Ramsgate for our holidays. Ah. Um, my my parents didn't like the idea of going to Dreamland. That wasn't quite their um, <laughs> forte. <laughs> Although my my father was a, a lorry driver, so but it he did. But they didn't do that anyway. So we went. Used to go down to either Folkestone or Herne Bay. You mm -hmm. know, in a funny old Morris car. Um, and my, but my mother taught in the local art college and she was quite exotic and she used to 
spraying her silver at the front in this big silver curl and oh, wear great. lots of makeup. And she didn't look like any of the other mothers. And I used to say, please don't come looking like that to college. You look different from all the other mothers. <laughs> <laughs> so was she, was she like an inspiration to you on a style level then? Or an art I think long term, when I think back, she was an inspiration. And the fact that something about her made, you know, you, she was always making dresses. So I suppose it inspired me to think that I could make dresses. I didn't go into it like that. But it was mm. when I was trying to talk people into how this textile design would look all right, that it was only if I made it up myself that it would end up to be what it it could be to sell, you know. Yeah. But so you must have had like fashion kind of books around your childhood environment yes. growing up. There were always wonderfully exotic fashion books, mm-hmm. Queen magazine or L'Officiel. Or my mother could make, had worked in Paris before she was married. So I suppose there was always that because we were allowed, if we didn't, weren't noisy and we were well behaved, we could watch her do a wedding fitting. Oh, <laughs> that must wow. have been exciting. Wow. Did she ever wear your clothes when you started designing or your fabrics? She smoked like a chimney and she died before she knew that she, she was alive for me to leave Royal college, but she never saw what I went on to do because by that time she died of lung cancer. In fact, Oh, I'm sorry. But she, did she see the shop though? Cause you, you went straight to the shop after Royal college graduation. Oh no, no. The shop was, I left Royal College in 63. Mm. So the shop wouldn't have been until about 66. So she would have died soon after I left Royal College. Right, right, right. So your, your early prints, were you, were you actually like drawing them all out? Is, is that how printmaking like started out because to me I always see them as these artworks in their own right like you know in the exhibitions at the design um fashion textile museum like when you see them as like big sheets of fabric they are like paintings or artworks in their well, own I right. Well I started off painting it on paper mm-hmm. then made the separations yeah then printed it and at that time I'd have been printing it myself. <laughs> wow cool. What's the separations? What's that section? Like then? a screen print kind of vibe. If the design's black, let's say the design's black, red, and yellow. Yeah. So you have to have a different screen for each color. Right. So you've got to print each color separately in right. a silk screen. And would yes. they each have a different section of the design on, or would it be the same design with that one color per? So if, let's say you did a design and it was red and yellow stars, but they edged in black. So you'd have to do all the black edging would be one screen. The yellow stars would be another and the red stars would be another. So until really about six years ago, we did all the separations ourselves for whatever print we would have done. Wow. Now some of it would be done on the computer. Mm-hmm. Wow. What I found incredible and fascinating. <laughs> what I found incredible and fascinating, Sandra, is that you have kept your personal archive from the very beginning. You you can reference every design you've ever created from the start. And I, I want to know what sort of how you had the tenacity at the time when you begun to know that you needed to do that. Because I'm sure there's lots of people that would have made work and thrown it out and not thought about archive in their own practice. <laughs> I somehow thought that in the end, for example, when things were really bad in the late late 90s, 
early 2000s, when no one was taking any notice of my work, that's when I thought I'm going to found a museum so people could see what, what I do. Do you know what I mean? Brilliant. And then I suddenly had a rebirth because the press suddenly came to me and they said, John Galliano's just done this collection and all the prints look like you. And then suddenly they rediscovered me again. So, you know, you just keep on. In a way, I've got to liken that to Dougie, you know, mm. keeps on painting, keep, keeps on doing it. It's just sad that he didn't make a fortune from it, which mm. he should have done. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, you, said, well, you said then in the 90s that you had a struggle with people like appreciating what you were doing but you you had that at the beginning because the designs you were making were you said at the time were very outrageous and colorful and a lot of people at the beginning were not able to place you somewhere but then you had a lucky streak where you had clothes placed on a couple of models who were working with david bailey and they inspired you to go to america oh they was too mad totally insane mad american girls and they said, you've got to come to America and you'll make your fortune. And something, I mean, I didn't know anyone in America. I only knew two Americans, but it happened that one of them, a wonderful interior decorator, Richard Holly, was going, he had a flat in New York and he said, I'm going over to New York, come with me. <laughs> and I went over with him. I had letters of introduction to American Vogue. And I went with my letter of introduction and they photographed them on Natalie Wood. Mm -hmm. And that was really the beginning. But it was, it, was, it was somehow just something that happened. And I still don't believe it in a re really weird way. And that was 1969. How long was you in the States for? Three weeks. So and this, this all happened in three weeks. And then, and then you came back to the UK and then it all sort of happened for well, you. Well, then I, I went with my clothes they photographed them on Natalie Wood. She, they, Vogue introduced me to Henry Bendel, the shop. I took in orders and I came back and made the orders and sent them to America. And at the same time, over here, Fortnum and Mason were getting some orders. So I started that. Then I did another collection and I took that to America. And at that time you could get hold of the people in the magazines mm. and they photograph my things. You know, I don't know if it would happen now. I'm not sure. Well, you know, I guess maybe Instagram, you can connect with people if they want to check their DMs. But yeah, it's not, it doesn't seem as easy. It seemed like back in the day, everyone was in the yellow pages and you could just find them and have their direct number. Yeah, it was a bit more like real people, I think. Like, yeah, somehow. You know, that's interesting though, because there's also like a thing that I often think about. When I first um, got to know Andrew Logan when I was younger and when I actually came to the textile museum and I think, your, is your apartment above the textile museum? Is that that's right? right? That's where I am at the moment, in the Rainbow Penthouse. Okay, so we came there for a drink. I always remember that. So I always remember thinking how whole the universes are of Andrew Logan, say, you know, with all the jewellery that he makes and sculpture and even like the architecture and everything. And when I came to, to your place, I remember thinking the same with you and the same with Dougie. It's all and encompassing, isn't it's it? It's an all-encompassing yeah. kind of wonderful Experience. universe that's yeah. so detailed and so layered and textured. And if you think of other greats of that time, like even in music, like David Bowie or Freddie Mercury or... 
there were certain talents that would bring in all different influences into every single aspect of, of their life. And right now, for example, you're wearing like the most amazing brooch with like a reflective smiley face and a chunky necklace. I, I love all these kind of layers. Like, is, is that something that you think is unique to that time in a way? Because it does seem very specific in a way, that, that artistry of living. Uh, gosh. Uh... I mean, I think you're talking, I mean, Andrew, Dougie and myself, you'd have always, Andrew always looks like Andrew, whatever day, time of day it is. And I yes. suppose I never go out without my makeup on and I've always got my, I've always, um, well, actually, I mean, it's winter, so I have to wear a boring pullover, so I have to cover it with the jewellery. <laughs> um Otherwise, I could wear a loose printed outfit, which I'm not wearing at the moment. Um, I mean, I think we've always we've always looked ourselves. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, it's almost like this kind of character, like persona or like know, performance art in a way as well. Because performance art, yeah. It, you it, it, you it always, communicates. You always have to look like yourself. I mean, I don't go out without any makeup. Right, right. <laughs> Love that. Sometimes, I mean, it's been a bit too the same for a while, so I've probably got to have a little bit of a go at change somewhere or maybe fractionally different haircut or something. But mm. that can come when we're let out again, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking about how um, your style could have come from your mum and that when you were younger you sort of didn't acknowledge it, but that's like fed into who you are now and the style you discovered your personal I'm identity. Sure it's the background of, of a strong mother who would encourage one always to be oneself. Yeah. but where, so, And the love of colour and, and having this personal identity, where did that come from? I think that gradually came. I think that gradually came at uh, being suddenly, I mean... I mean, I have had my hair green, but it did look like the green wasn't very strong in those days, so it used to turn to look like old straw. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to stick feathers on the end of it then. Oh, nice. It has been purple, but it's easier pink. Pink's so easy. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think. I mean, when I first went to America, I wore my hair was normal brown, and I wore a headscarf around my head, tied to one side, but lots and lots of makeup. And I mean, I got one job because I was introduced to an interior decorator who said, well, if you look like that, you must be amazing. And he bought my textile designs for furnishing fabrics. So that was all new for me. Wow. That's my first trip, you know, on my first trip to America, it was as if the skies had, had opened and there was... You know, it was quite amazing. Wow! And fast having forward. this personal identity has, has allowed you access to other like areas that you know people who don't look as vibrant as you or outwardly would would have access to. I mean, I don't know. Not. I mean, I'm sure not everyone wants to wants to look quite as bright. I mean, <laughs> I have. <laughs> I don't notice. That's what's worse. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't really notice, so I'm just me. And the worst thing is that on a day, if I was to forget and um, not put my makeup on, 
and go outside and empty the dustbins, that's when there's someone over the other side of the road taking a photograph of the museum and it's even more embarrassing. So oh. it's better to always look all right for the part. <laughs> yes. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So fast forward to the present day. I heard that you've been working on numerous different things, but one of the things is a collaboration with IKEA. Is that right? That's right. Yes. I was asked about, well, here in the museum, we did a fantastic exhibition um, about an amazing textile designer from the 1940s, mm -hmm. um, Joseph Frank. Yeah. And the... Um, Swedish, the handsome Swedish ambassador invited me for cocktails to his um, to their residence here in London to um, to advertise. Um, they were dealing with um, was it Uma Thurman who'd done some work for um, who did films with uh, Bergman. It was okay. to celebrate Bergman's death. Ingrid Bergman, right? Yeah. Um, Ingmar Bergman. Ingmar Bergman, yeah. You know, who who did that one with that amazing man playing chess? I've forgotten the, the one. Anyway, so I went along, and then I met this girl who is now my agent, Tia, and she said, "Would you like to do some work in Sweden?" And I said, "Oh, sounds very interesting." So they flew me to Sweden, and then I had some Swedish people came back here and saw the, my rainbow apartment and invited me to, to, they wanted to reproduce my rainbow penthouse as the entrance. And then they said to me, what would you really like? And I said, I'd love to do designs for Ikea. So now we're doing all sorts of things. It's so lovely. We're going to do whole interior stuff and it comes out in September. Amazing. That is so cool. So I'm really thrilled. <laughs> and are these brand new designs or have you kind of harked back to your archive? No, brand new designs. They nice. came here when you could still travel. This was in 2019. Mm -hmm. The team came over and they looked at all the things around in my penthouse that I use, like rugs and placemats. And then we decided what the collection would be. And that comes out in September. So, and it's being made in all different parts of the world. Wow. You know, so there's like cool. mirrors coming in from Vietnam, um, baskets coming in from sort of like Poland. I mean, it's amazing the the branches of the whole yeah. thing. And have you named them all? Because IKEA has names like Clip Clop and Schloppity Dip. Oh, they're going to give <laughs> they're going to give them all those. You know, when you go there to buy a light bulb and you're getting doodly doo and <laughs> yeah, I know they have all those names. Yes, <laughs> I must say I really I like the look of. Um, <laughs> I really like the look of Zandra Rhodes X IKEA. Like it's yeah. such an iconic collaboration. It's genius. Oh, I think it's going to be really good fun. You know, like lovely bath mats and things, you know, at affordable prices. So it's been giving me a wonder, wonderful task during lockdown when things would appear in packages. And then because of Zoom, they could see if they liked it. And we'd say, oh, we don't think the blue's okay and this isn't okay. So it turned out fabulously. Oh, so cool. So if you think back to when you were inspired by like Warhol or Lichtenstein, what kind of things were inspiring you now in like 2019, 2020, 2021? Like for pop, your prints. Pop art was and, the big yeah, inspiration art, for you, yeah. wasn't it? Like for a lot of your designs. Oh, and David Hockney. I, you were I, David I mean, Hockney. went back to um, lots of big flowers, like the big button flowers that I originally did. 
Yes, love those. That was in when I first did those. Gosh, let me think. 71. Yeah. Help. (laughs) I know, I know. So a lot of different things like that have had a new journey. It's been so exciting for me, you know, to be doing all those things. So you have dressed some incredible celebrities and superstars along the way but there's a couple of people i'd like to talk about and your experience oh god i know who this is well the first one (laughs) i am going to get to princess diana because i am that's russell's obsession i'm obsessed with princess (laughs) diana but freddie mercury is someone that there's not a lot about what actually you how you collaborate with him but i would love to know what that experience was like working with freddie mercury and dressing him now well maybe i'll tell you the truth Okay. Yes, please. <laughs> right. When you've got pink hair, people think that you're frightfully trendy. Mm. But I'm not as trendy as I look. So anyway, I've got my little studio in Bayswater. It's a it's a little tiny attic studio by Royal Oak Tube Station, and I get a phone call um, from I believe Brian made the call. Mm-hmm. And they said they'd like to come round for me to do them some costumes. Amazing. So I said, well, you'll have to come in the evening because I only had like this little open plan attic room with machines, no changing room or anything. So I said, you'll have to come in the evening. So they arranged to come in the evening. And I then went, this was 75. So when I put the phone down, I had to ask my girls what they played. hello they had so they had a pop song that was on the radio at that time i can't remember what it was but it was long before bohemian rhapsody right at that time i'd have put them in the category of a teeny bopper group wow right so they came and i i got um, this lovely pleated wedding top off of the rail and said to Freddie, oh, put this on and now move around, see how you feel in it, you know, which he did. And that's the one that you always see him in. Yes. Anyway, so I made the top and I made some lovely pleated um, uh, satins for Brian. Mm. And they went away and they gave me tickets to go to the concert, which was at Earl's Court. And I went with Dougie. And I think, and you know how trendy Dougie is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've got a feeling we were at least 10 years older than most of that audience. (laughs) (laughs) So we felt ancient at that time. (laughs) So that was really the only time that I went to the concert until I went until I got Brian to send me tickets for the opening of the film. Wow. Oh, really? You went to the opening, the film premiere? Right, but that's how many years later is that? 25? Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, you know that outfit you're talking about that Freddie wore? The thing that was so genius about that, which then went on actually to inspire a lot of future kind of early 80s, late 70s mm. sort of um, pop music. If you think of even Kate Bush doing like Wuthering Heights and stuff. But like it had that, 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 that movement. It's almost like he's flying or something. And it's kind of also referencing wedding dresses and also it's quite Baroque or something. There's something quite like OTT about that, that aesthetic 
athletic. How exciting was that at the time? It's wonderful seeing him move in that, you know, yeah. and the pictures of him that, that capture it that are so fabulous. I think yes. a picture here, I think, which is that one. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, we'll post that. Yeah, so we're looking at him. He's got his hand. He's got his hands flat, kind of like slicing the air in this pleated, yeah. <laughs> beautiful piece. Yeah, amazing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, so then you, you've dressed lots of celebrities, but what was it like dressing Princess Diana? What, how, how did that come about and what was that you des- designed? Well, at that time, I had a shop off of Bond Street, you know, um, and she went in there with her friend at that time, Fergie. Mm. And then they, they'd discuss and take the measurements. Then I'd make the dress and then I'd go round to Kensington Palace and fit her. No way. You know, so that's how I had to do that. So I went round separately to Kensington Palace to fit her. And what was she like? like? Yeah. She was very shy. I found her very shy. I um, used to go there with the dress over my hand and curtsy and then try the dress on her and check that it was all right. And she was always worried that, as long as it looked all right when she got out of a car, because she said, you're always going to have the photographer waiting to look straight up my skirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So I had to make sure that the dress was all right when she got out. That's so crazy that that's a consideration, isn't it? You have to to think about. You have to think about all those things. (laughs) So you dressing other people, but you have also appeared as yourself in one of the most iconic fashion comedy drama shows ever absolutely fabulous well that was fun to do that that was a great deal of fun to do i mean basically brit myself and lulu we were all in the coffee just having coffee while they did the funny bits and then they called us in to sit in and do the other stuff (laughs) (laughs) and then the wonderful bit where um joanna lumley falls through the um, the, the, the scenery because she's so stoned in the coat. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that scene. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean you've you've done such iconic kind of popular culture moments in history. You've also dressed Sarah Jessica Parker in Sex and the City. What was that experience like? That must have really I propelled you actually, to a whole new. Audience I didn't as well. even know about that. We used to have sometimes 
people would get me to send stuff to them. So it was only after the event that I saw her in that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, and did that like propel that certain clothing brat, like line that she wore with like people wanting to acquire that? I mean, you get different people following up from that, which, yeah. you know, at that time I was doing shows all over America. So people would remember different ones. Or when I did the wedding dress for the girl who was in Dallas with um, J- who, JR, you mm. know. Oh, wow. But that's a long while ago. There's lots of people that haven't even heard of the program Dallas now. That's how quickly time flies with all of us. I, I, I definitely remember Dallas from my yeah. childhood. But again, popular culture, huge <laughs> pop culture moments in history. You've been there, Zandra. You've kind of defined <laughs> and crafted all of those. But talking about craft, I read that you have a rule for yourself where you have to do a drawing a day and how important drawing is to you for your practice. Well, it makes you always remember things if you draw them. You know, it happens, for example, I happen to have one just near me. I must have been in, in Delhi in the mist. So here's Delhi oh, in the mist. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Right. And so it's a lot of line making, hatching, cross-hatching. That's cross-hatching with felt-tip pen. Oh, it's felt-tip pen. God, it's gorgeous. 87. <laughs> no way that's from 87 87 that one have you done a drawing today no i haven't so now you've caught me out haven't you? <laughs> maybe maybe after talk up <laughs> <laughs> now i have to feel ashamed that i'm so that i'm caught out <laughs> so um there's another thing that really inspired me was was that you've worked a lot with opera and there's one opera house in particular the San Diego Opera that you collaborated with a number for a number of years including the Magic Flute. What was that like as an experience because that's so sort of different yeah, it's kind of design. more classical isn't it and uh you know it's a different realm altogether. Well that was that was a real, I mean that was really quite a lucky break because when at the time people weren't taking any notice of my work. Mm. I got asked to do opera, so I had a chance to, to, to get to know opera and watch it free. I mean, the whole thing is you can go in there and you can watch all these opera stars and be really near to them and learn all their idiosyncrasies, you know, which are quite fabulous as well, you know. So, it, I mean, I, I'm continually amazed that they could sing and act at the same time. Mm. I mean, it... it a great break for an, a difference in in what you know for my career which was fabulous yeah I, I feel like set design completely is like an ally for your your style I feel like because the theatricality and the colors of so much of your work really lends itself well to the theater are you, are you a massive theater like opera obviously you love but ballet and you know plays and musicals are you are you an avid audience for that oh um, gosh I mean, I really got into going to opera and doing things like that. I'm not, I haven't been a big theatre goer merely because you have to be so organised and I'm so boring that I'm not organised enough to always know to go to something. Usually it would be whether someone like Andrew would say, look, we're getting tickets for this, are you going to come? Yeah. Do you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like... To Matthew Bourne's oh, Swan yeah. Lake, yes. the all male one, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that, wasn't that fabulous? Oh my god, really great. Oh. I love Sadler's Wells as well. It's so wonderful there. Oh, I, and I like if you go behind seeing the pictures when it really was Wells. Have you seen mm. in the corridors? They've got pictures of the actual 
whales that were there at that right, time. Right, right, right. Cool. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't even think of that. So they were, it was built on... Saddler's whales. There are whales there. For the saddlers, for the leather makers. Yes, like Camberwell was also whales. Ah. Oh, my God. That's, well, thank you very much for that bit so of what, history. What, what London history, though, in Bermondsey, you must have seen it really evolve since you opened your museum. And it's an interesting thing because I know Tracy Emmons often said to us that, like, um, industry often follows art. Well, and she's I feel like Margate on the map, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's our neighbour. That we've got a gallery here, and she's um, she's oh, got all the adjoining all neat. the adjoining buildings, literally all of them. I know. So, I mean, Bermondsey Street. When I was lucky because I found this this built empty. Well, I didn't find it. Andrew Logan found it for me. Oh. He lived round the corner. Sadly, he doesn't live round the corner anymore. And he said, Sandra, there's this building. And you've wanted to do a museum. Why don't you buy it? I said, what do you think I am? Made of money. <laughs> but luckily, they hadn't built the shard. So I was able to buy the building by selling my house in Notting Hill Gate. Great. And then I, I gradually, I mean, I was lucky because my boyfriend, um, who I then went to live with for, well, I lived between here and America. He was the president of Warner Brothers. And he enabled to f help me work out how I could build another two floors on top of the building to make the museum work and have a home. Genius. And so that really made it all happen, which was fabulous. Wow. Well, this was in 2003 when you founded the Fashion Textile Museum, which is in Bermondsey. And this well, museum... I the building in 95 before oh, wow. the was built, you see. Right. Wow. So, but the textile museum opened in two thousand and three. That's it. That was right. by the. It took me that while long to get it together. Right. And the ethos <laughs> of this squalor before then. Right. <laughs> well, the, and the ethos of this place is that you have three shows a year, and this holds over three thousand of your personal designs, including your sketchbooks and your silk screens. Uh, well, um, I don't know. I'm at the moment with the foundation. We're going to turn this penthouse into a display of Sandra Rose work, plus art from various of my friends. Nice. That, that is on the wall. Um, the museum itself holds, I think we do about, not sure how many exhibitions, maybe five or six exhibitions a year, okay. right. but not necessarily mine. Different, at the moment we've got one on chintz. I mean, we've done different, different designers. Mm. Um, so that's really what's happening here. Got it. And aside from Dougie's work, what other artists do you live with? Because for those who can't see right now, you're surrounded by so many different objects and ceramics. And um, oh, there's an Andrew Logan mirror. There's an Andrew Logan. Logan um, yeah. uh, what's his name? Gandhi. Gandhi with the map of India. Yes. Love that. We saw one of his mirrors at um, Serene yeah. McKellen's house. Oh, wonderful. Then just behind me is a painting by um, Andrew Stahl. Mm. And then another Dougie over the top of the, of me with Delita, sort of over the top of the. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then I have an Andrew Logan chandelier. Oh, that's beautiful. Round at the that. window. So. And what is, what is that room divider? Like the. um. Oh, um, Andrew and I, in 2000, there was an exhibition in Hanover to celebrate the year 2000. Ah. And the Indian government 
um, asked me to represent the earth. And Andrew and I worked in a, um, oh, an ashram at the end of India. And he did a thousand smiles in mirror. Mm-hmm. And this screen and um, various small chairs were all carved there. And we were down on the ashram for about a month. And that was an exhibition in Hanover. And then when it finished, I had the originals here. Wow. And that's what's here. Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. And can you talk a bit about your friendship with Andrew Logan? Because we're going to hopefully speak to him for talk art in the future. But um, how did you meet him? And, and what's your collaboration, uh, cl- collabor- cl- collaboration been like with him? I met Andrew through Dougie. Oh. <laughs> who took me to the very original alternative Miss World. Yes. Then gradually our friendship grew. Um, I, I took him, I was offered, for example, a trip around the world, first class mm-hmm. by Kerry Packer, and I went with my gold outfit this would be in 19 about 1980 wow. no it, wasn't, it was 19 1980 mm-hmm. yeah and so it was to australia and then back whichever way we liked so andrew and i went to australia to the opening that we were doing and and we were with little nell and a whole group of people because i've australia has been a great influence in my life mm. Then we went on to India because I did the first festival of India with Rajiv Seti and Andrew came with me. And since then, Andrew's lucky enough to go there every year, except he hasn't gone this year. Mm-hmm. But so we've done wonderful adventures all around India together. Wow. And we've been to Morocco and we've been, oh, he used to come and visit me in California and we're going to be having a celebration in the museum where he's done a portrait of me that's about six foot high. Mirrored. Together with a mirror. And another one of my partner, Salah Hassanin, because we're doing a dedication because that's how the museum came together. But we're going to be putting up those big mirror portraits. Awesome. Can you talk a bit about Alternative Miss World? Can you just summarise what that is for people that don't know? Alternative Miss World, I have done his costume, except for the very first one. And Mm -hmm. I do, he does half woman Mm -hmm. and half man. Mm -hmm. So I've done the half woman one ever since the first one. And they're all celebrated in portraits in his museum in Wales. Yes. So you need to do a lovely interview with him to, yeah, see, we... to see the museum in Wales if you haven't done that. But is it yeah. actually a pageant? Is it? Yeah, a, it's like... a kind of fancy dress contest, and it's it was um, set up in '72. Man, woman, or machine? Because one year a machine won it. Huh. Um, uh, can enter. So people enter for whatever. So it's asexual and wonderful. 
Yeah, and it was kind of inspired originally by Crufts, the British dog show. I know. And, and it had, if you think of people like, oh God, so many competitors and guests have been there. So if, I used to do the PR for this, I should know. But um, people like David Hockney, Derek Jarman, Grayson Perry, definitely Lee Bowery, uh, Divine. Oh, there's been, oh, well, Divi was one of my great friends. So really? I, oh, yes. Oh my God, how do you know Divine? We were both house guests together as a great friend of mine, Jones, in Los Angeles. And when he came to live in London, um, you know, he used to stay with me. Wow. So we used to, but but uh, he was <laughs> he, he didn't get up early. And then we were one Christmas. Um, I said, "Oh," he said, "We've got to do something wonderful at Christmas." I said, "Oh, I've got a lovely plastic Christmas tree." He said, "We can't have a plastic Christmas tree. It's got to be real." So I said, yes, but I have to go to Covent Garden at five in the morning to go and get that. So that day, he's in his pixie hood, and he comes, he knocks at my door, and he says, here's your cup of tea to get me up. This is 4.30 in the morning. I have to go to Covent Garden to get all the greenery. And then when we got everything at home, he used to sit dressed up with a wand, and he's we'd be the one dummies running around while he said, needs another red ball up there. And he'd point his wand while we're running about putting, the, putting all the things up. So, yes. So, um, yeah, we were friends for years. Wow. Oh my God, I love that story. Do you, do you wear your own clothes, Zandra? Only. Really? Well, if, if, if you're a designer... Oh, oh, sorry, I did not design this red pullover. I have grits winter. But the point is, if you're... You accessorise it, though. <laughs> if, you're, if you're advertising yourself and then you're wearing someone else's clothes, what are you advertising? Mm. You know? You're, you're selling yourself. So if I say, sorry, I don't wear my own clothes, what do I believe in? Sorry, I don't use prints. Hello? You're a print <laughs> designer. You know, so yeah. that if you don't believe in what you're doing, then who does? Mm. Right. I love the fact that you've opened this uh, fashion textile museum, which everyone has to check out their website. It's amazing. And, and get down there when we can again. But and it's orange and pink. You can't miss it when you come in. Why, why do you think for so long museums, institutions didn't take fashion seriously as something that they could promote? Whereas you look at the audience figures at the V&A for, say, like, Galliano, Dior, uh, like um, Alexander McQueen, and you look at the Met Museum, and they get huge figures. Oh, it's now, <laughs> it's now the big money earners for all of those. And I mean, I don't know if ever you got to see the Jean-Paul Gaultier exhibition. Did you see that one? <gasps> you walked in, and the mannequins would. It was by, oh God, I've forgotten what you call it. The mannequins winked at you. Oh right. It was done. I. I <clears throat> You know, they um, projected onto they projected their... something and the mannequins looked at you and winked. It was so wonderful. Oh, it was fabulous, that exhibition. <laughs> Why do you think museums for so long didn't take fashion seriously on that level? I think at that, first of all, it was regarded maybe as something a bit too light and a bit too frivolous. Mm. Whereas I think people now realise the same goes into creating that as creating a painting or yes. whatever, you know. 
it's it takes the same amount of effort and and the same things to create those images that people live by i mean you know that when you think of what goes into putting on a a pop show mm. you know what i mean and the lighting and and all of of everything that the mystery and i think it's just the world coming into its own and seeing all those things differently mm. yeah the artistry of it yes yes yeah it's interesting when you think about people like lee bowery and like how in his lifetime he was never as sort of legendary as he is now i mean everyone loved him of course and he did do exhibitions and art context right, and club things but, but if you think about the impact he's gone on to have that's the designers I mean, you know, people only see it as the depth of it now yes i mean or even um the, the same thing with david bowie in reality yes. you yeah. know although he became accepted it wasn't all you know it and, and he came again from an art background yeah. You know, did you sit there, did a great exhibition, the one at the V&A was lovely. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. It was brilliant, yeah. I always found it interesting with Bowie how he really struggled for a long time. You know, he didn't just sort of overnight have success because even up to like Ziggy Stardust, it was actually, he had this very sort of slow trajectory to, you know, slowly sort of invent oh, himself. I There's very few things that people that are really an overnight success. no. You know, I mean, I think someone like Barbara Streisand was a 12-year a overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So nothing, you might have your own little steps before you fall flat on your face again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, well, they... what, what advice would you give to, like, people starting out right now? Like, because you've obviously had an incredible um, career and ups and downs and longevity, and, and obviously you're incredibly passionate about what you do. I think well, I'm lucky that I feel passionate. And the whole idea is you, you don't go around and say, oh, everything's terrible. <laughs> right. Mm. And I think it's very important that you always, I don't mean you have to surround yourself with acolytes, but, mm. you know, I mean, people like Dougie, where I could phone up and say to Dougie, oh, I haven't got any ideas today. And he goes, oh, you're always saying that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And mm. I think the luck is I've had on and have some wonderful friends that you can go through, you can go through all the ups and downs with yes. because nothing's plain sailing, nothing. I mean, I'm sure if you really examine even between something like Beyonce or what might be all success one minute might be horrendous the next, but you've got to hope that you've got enough people to lean on when you're having a bad day. <laughs> and, and what about relying on yourself and that kind of solitary journey? Because I've really realised recently that a lot of the most successful artists or celebrities or musicians or actors, it is this incredibly solitary journey in some ways. Even if you do have those collaborators or people to lean on, it's still this kind of precision and focus on your kind of, you know, creative output or something. I think it's a, the thing of, that one has that there's something in you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that makes you keep going whatever everything looks like right. something says to you I mean you know I mean it's like Dougie his final painting was this magnificent painting of the queen in bright pink I mean why we couldn't get the royal family to use this painting 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. And you think to yourself, but he kept on painting it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. so, so wonderful. It's yeah. something in you. You keep doing it regardless because what else would you do? Yeah. That's, an, that's an amazing positive mental attitude that you have that you seem to kind of you kind of splays out to all of your friends and and talking about Dougie there's something all-encompassing about him like you shared as Rob said earlier with with Andrew Logan and yourself and he said that he didn't see any difference between my art and life I live inside a painting yeah exactly and that that was it you know and he'd always find something we'd always chat about something of course you can't think what at this minute of time yeah yeah, no, I love it. He was inside the, um, he played a character in one of the Pet Shop, Pet Shop Boys videos, It's a Sin, which I found out, which is incredible. But he also, if you go on his website, which, which Jarman directed, should, didn't he? Derek Jarman directed. Derek Jarman, yes, yes, yes. I think he did, no? It's a Sin? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Well, Derek Jarman decked, um, um, directed one of my shows. No, really? Oh. Derek Jarman did my show, my medieval show. I think oh, wow. it was about 19... 19- Something like about 1983, something like that. And what was what he was like he, to work yeah, what with? What was he like? Wow. Andrew said you should use Derek, and I used Derek, and he was wonderful. And then just before Derek, I used Ron Link, who directed Divine's plays. Yes. You know, so I've had a whole lot of really amazing people. Wow. Sadly, they aren't here anymore. Is that my influence as well? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> no, surely not. But oh, everyone should go on Dougie Field's website. But there was some. There's a lot of prose on there, which I didn't really realise that he wrote. And there is this amazing poem, and I'd like to read it if that's possible. Just, oh, just for on. Dougie, and it's it's one that I found. It's called Sometimes. This is Sometimes by Dougie Field. Sometimes I could scream and shout. Sometimes I can nearly work it out. Sometimes people scare the hell out of me. Sometimes they do it so seductively. Sometimes it's only down to wealth. Sometimes there is only health. Hey now, hey now, kiss my eye. Everything is really simple. Obsess about catastrophe, not about your pimple. Sometimes war is in the air. Sometimes living is beyond despair. Sometimes it's just now and then. Sometimes the universe is zen. Sometimes it's impossible to fail. Sometimes you can find the holy grail. Sometimes when it happens, it's a fluke. Sometimes pure inspiration. Hey now, hey now, kiss my eye. Everything is really simple. Obsess about catastrophe, not about your pimple. Sometimes I'm just so close to the edge. Sometimes I'm just so stable. Sometimes there are only problems. Sometimes there is only fable. Sometimes there is freezing cold. Sometimes there is blazing heat. Sometimes we feel it with the beat. Sometimes we're just unable. Hey now, hey now, kiss my eye. Everything is really simple. Obsess about catastrophe, not about your pimple. That moved me <laughs> when I was reading that earlier. I thought really? it was amazing. You see, you just kept doing these things. It's wonderful. Mm. So yeah. you, you, and you, you've had this real close connection to the kind of gay and queer kind of community mm. for a long time. And what, what do you think, like, how, how do you think that happened? Is that just a natural thing in the creative world? An affinity sort of, for you. An affinity or, or something? Your yeah. people. I would you are a kind of real ally. I would be more likely to say that one leads an 
asexual life in friendship. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, I don't think we think of whether it's what sex one is. Yes. You know, you've just got all these other things happening. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, (sighs) we're we're blessed to talk to you. Yes. Well, we ask every guest that comes on Dame Zandra Rhodes, (laughs) and you became a dame in 1997 for everyone listening. Um, I mean, how do you feel when you hear yourself being called a dame? I think probably I add 10 years to my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ask every guest, the first one is, um, if you could do an art heist, you could steal any art of work, any work of art in the world from anywhere, what would it be and why? Oh, God. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. It could also be a building or an object or... Or a fashion. It could be or a, a fashion. It could be like anything. Some, and we can help Elizabeth you. We can bring trucks. It could be Queen Elizabeth the first ruffles or it could be like a Tudor, oh, well, you know, smock. A question to throw at one. Because I'm lucky that I have art. Gosh. steal a piece of art what would it be and why because i'm lucky i'm surrounded by art yeah mm. i've got andrew and i've got dougie what about a david hockney because he was in a third year when you was at the royal college of art and you didn't you do your fir- oh, final show be, on his it would be very nice to have a david hockney yes mm-hmm. a swimming pool design yes to have a large swimming pool design, I think, yes. That'd Did you ever fun. know him? Did you get to know him? Oh, I got to know David in, in Los Angeles because I'd bump into him at different openings and things. Mm. So, you know, or I'd like to own a Patrick Caulfield as well. Love oh, Patrick yeah. Caulfield's work. Yes. You know, because I think a lot of the English artists are somewhat, although they're famous, they're not always represent you know they're famous within our field yes but they're not always something that we 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 own ourselves mm-hmm. you know i never turned down a matisse <laughs> no you mustn't <laughs> <laughs> what's your what what, what 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 matisse do you like oh one could take steel we were stealing because we could take it from russia you know those lovely ones of the dancing ladies no. that i think aren't they in um St. Petersburg. Yes, I think they are. Those yeah. ones. So we could take those, take something away from his lordship over there. Absolutely. <laughs> We'd, me and Robert have to sneak in being yeah, gay she, men. Uh, We'd yeah, have to go undercover. Gonna, oh, yeah, true. Really. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? <laughs> You're going to make me say pink, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you can say anything you want. What's in your heart? <laughs> Pink's a very happy colour. Since I'm in a rainbow penthouse and it's rainbow all around me, mm. difficult. I think pink's probably the easiest thing since I'm not going to change the colour of my hair. Well, it suits you very much and it's, yeah, it's inspiring amazing. even just to see you. Um, can you quickly explain why your penthouse is called the rainbow penthouse? Is it because you've painted the walls in rainbow colours? Um, it is painted all the colours of the rainbow. Yeah. And the floor starts in pink 
and it goes pink, red, orange, yellow, green, all different colours of the rainbow. Can you see the floor? Yes. Yes, I remember this. It's all coming back to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so cool. That's like my dream home. I love it so much. <laughs> so, it's so happy. You know, it's not like you go, oh, the colour's going to hit you. It's just lovely, you know, and it's there. <laughs> Living colour. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, oh, I've had such been... a lovely time. It's been amazing oh, we have talking too. to you. And I'm so glad we finally got to speak to you because honestly, you were like on my on the list that I took to Russ when we first started doing this. I was like, we have to meet Sandra Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And my mum's a big fan of yours as well, Judith. She loves you. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, thank big you love. so much. So for everyone listening, we will be posting images of all the artworks we've discussed in today's and Freddie episode. Mercury. And Freddie Mercury oh, and Freddie, Diana. Yes, yes. And lots of... Um, lots of Zandra's amazing prints and um, you'll be able to find out more as well by going to the London um, fashion textile yeah. museum. and there's also absolute art online has uh, six prints these editions edition pieces by Zandra that are available for purchase and then later on in the year you should all go Ikea and also if you visit zandraroads.com you can check out 50 years of fabulous <laughs> oh um, thank you you can enter the got, world of the iconic keep, keep watching because we've got fabulous things up our sleeve can't wait to see Whoa. lots of love thanks for listening That's everyone lovely time with you both thank you thank you Zandra bye, bye you've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. follow us on Instagram at Talk Art where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode with music by Jack Northover subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts Spotify Acast or wherever it is that you get your podcasts give us a rating and write us a comment thanks for listening When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.